Hello, everyone. It's me again, Peter Harris with Commercial Property Advisors, author of the book, Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies, and coach and mentor to commercial real estate investors all across America. The subject and title of today's podcast is Office Building Investing for Beginners. Let's get started. I'm going to share with you nine things about office building investing. Number one, uh, why invest in office buildings? Number two, the one big difference between office buildings and single family homes. Number three, office building basics, what you need to know first. Number four, the different types of office buildings. Number five, 10 key office building terms. This is very important terminology. Number six, the ABCs of leases. Leases are the lifeblood of office buildings. Number seven, things to watch out for, possible pitfalls and how to avoid them. Number eight, possibly the most important thing to consider when choosing a tenant. So you don't want to miss that one. And number nine, what's the future of office buildings? I bet you're wondering that too. Um, I'm going to discuss the, the top three trends that are going on today. All right, so let's get started. Number one, why invest in office buildings? I'm going to share with you four different, uh, uh, four reasons to invest in office buildings. Number one, long-term income. When you rent out your single-family home or apartment, you'll be getting a lease for possibly uh, 12 months. Office, build, office building leases, on the other hand, can typically last five years. However, I've seen them as long as 15 years. The benefit there is that you'll be getting a, a long-term income and long-term cash flow stability. This is one of the primary reasons why people invest in office buildings. Number two, uh, triple net leases. Investors love triple net investments. Basically, here's what it is. You buy the property pre-lease with a long-term high-quality tenant who pays for all of the expenses and all you have to do is pay the mortgage. This is as passive as you can get. And here's a result. You get a low hassle, low maintenance, income producing property. Um, companies such as Starbucks and Walgreens are typical triple net renters. All right. The third reason why to invest in office buildings, huge depreciation tax shelter. Investing in and holding onto commercial real estate provides you a significant tax shelter through the depreciation of the building and its improvements. The depreciation write-off allowed by the IRS and, and in most states shelters your new passive income, basically. So in, in residential real estate, you can depreciate a property over 27 and a half years, but over commercial real estate and office buildings is 39 years. Huge difference. Okay. Um, the fourth reason why to invest in office buildings, strategic location. Office buildings typically typically come with an advantage of strategic location. Therefore, a patient investor can buy an office building cheaply during a period of economic weakness and hold it until economic recovery, virtually guaranteeing a substantial profit. I live here on the West Coast, and I see that happen all the time. And tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, are done that way in, in profits. All right, so let's move on. Um, number two, the one big difference between office buildings and single family homes. <clears throat> so office buildings are valued to a great degree as a function of their income. You know that, right? Uh, but also their tenants and the leases. Uh, 
So the higher the income, the higher the quality tenants, the stronger the leases are, then the higher the value. All right. So again, the higher the income, the higher the quality tenants, the stronger the leases, then the higher the value of the office building. Now, a residential duplex or a single family home is typically appraised uh, at or close to the same value, whether it is vacant or occupied. This is not the case for office buildings. A fully tenanted office building boasting long-term leases and national tenants will be, will be valued considerably higher in the marketplace than an empty one. All right. So we're comparing a fully occupied office building with an empty one. All right. Um, in other words, if the CEO of Apple lived in your house for 10 years, it would not be worth more because of that. However, if the Apple store leased your office building for 10 years, it would be worth a whole lot more money. All right. Hope you understood that one big difference between office buildings and single family homes. Let's move on. Number three, office building basics. All right. Did you know that 20% of all commercial estate in the U.S. are office buildings? Yet historically, it is, it is considered the most volatile asset class when compared to multifamily, retail, substorage, and the rest. The causes of this are basically three things. The economy, supply and demand, and the real estate cycle. And that's why it's really important that if you're a beginner, if you're a beginner to do your homework on all three first, and learn how it is all tied together. All right, I'm gonna explain this to you uh, right now. Uh, the economy, all right? So you really must understand what's going on with the economy uh, if you really wanna grasp office building basics, all right? So when considering the economy, number one is job growth, but not just any job growth. I'm talking white collar job growth. White collar jobs are jobs that are uh, office or professional jobs. And the first place to get this information, you can go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. There's a server there, and that can be a great indicator for office space um, demand and growth. Or you can go to your local chamber of commerce and locate the business development department and get um, job growth data there. Remember, white collar job growth. Number two, the, um, the economic growth. All right. As the economy increases in the market where the office building is located, uh, then the likelihood that businesses will hire more workers on a full-time basis and in turn will require more space for these additional workers. However, if the economy starts to shrink, the opposite happens. All right. So economic growth is really important in grasping office building basics. Next, let me talk about supply and demand and understanding the basics. In office buildings, understanding supply and demand is extremely important. What I want you to do is ask yourself two questions here. Number one, is there a demand for the type of office building I want to invest in? And number two, if the answer is yes, how much of it is in supply? If there's a demand, great. And even better, if there's an undersupply condition, meaning not enough. All right, so in, in understanding supply and demand, uh, I'm going to share with you three terms that you need to become familiar with since this is such an important thing. All right. So supply and demand, you must understand the vacancy rate. You probably have heard that term before. This number is the percentage of rentable office space in your office buildings that is unoccupied. So rising vacancy rate will lead to a decline in your rent per square foot, along with the increased turnover at the building. 
All right. So vacancy rate is very important. Number two, absorption rate. What is absorption? This is the amount of newly created space that is leased in a given market during a period of time. Basically, how much new space can your local market absorb? If the absorption rates, if the absorption rates are rising, it means that rent prices should be rising too. All right. Next is um, in understanding um, supply and demand, you must know the local market supply. Do research one-on-one, right? Find uh, local uh, office space online and see what the lease rates are and compare them to everything else in the market, all right? So nothing fancy there, all right? Now, next in understanding the basics of, of office buildings, we must really understand the real estate cycle. Here's what research shows us. Office building investments have a cycle of up and down, just like residential real estate. However, office the office real estate cycle is closest to the U.S. economy cycle than anything else, except, here's the difference, it lags behind the economic, the U.S. economy cycle by four to five months. Okay, so as a local economy lo- moves in a direction, expect the office cycle to move with it but it's, but it's delayed by four to five months. Okay. All right. Let's move on to something different. I want to go over with you the different types of office buildings. All right. Before I do that, let me share something with you. The world's largest office building by floor size is guess what? It's the Pentagon in Virginia. It has, um, over half of its 6,500,000 square foot, uh, area is used as office space. All right. Maybe you were thinking it's the New York uh, Empire State Building. Well, that's the second largest. Remember, I'm talking floor size. Okay. All right. Thought you would like that uh, in- interesting tidbit of information. All right. There are three basic types of office buildings. Number one, there's the high rise, what we call the skyscraper. There was a mid rise, um, probably between two and 10 floors and the low rise, which is between one and two floors. All right. Now, these three uh, types are spread out over the following um, types of buildings. Government building, medical office, uh, business park, R&D, office condos. And, and, and even in the midst of all that, we have three different uh, class types. We have the A class, we have the B class, and the C class. Now, just as in multifamily, office buildings are assigned a quality rating, as I just mentioned, class A, class B, class C, and it, it depending on the property and its market location. Let me go over that real quickly, quickly with you. Okay, so class A are buildings that represent the highest quality, uh, best looking buildings in the market with the best location. All right. And as a result of this, they attract the highest quality tenants, also the highest paying, and also command the highest rent. All right. And I want to point out here that as a beginner, I advise you not to play in class A. All right. This is due to the high prices, low returns and steep competition. The big boys play here. They're the REITs and institutional investors and real estate funds. They buy these assets because they can. All right. All right. Class B. This is the next notch down from class A. Class B buildings are generally a little older, but they still have good quality tenants. Uh, oftentimes, um, uh, value added investors, you know, investors looking for opportunities to, uh, to, uh, fix up a property. They target these buildings, um, as investments since 
<clears throat> well-located Class B buildings can be uh, returned to their Class A glory through renovation, uh, you know, set by doing improvements. So as an investor, this this is the class um, that you should pursue, the B class, okay? Next is C class. The C class is the oldest of the uh, of the of build of the building in the old. Oh, I'm sorry. The class C is the oldest of the building, is the oldest building in the least desirable location. All right. So these assets typically have substandard tenants and perhaps um, some cosmetic problems and sometimes even obsolete. So they're considered a turnaround project and they work well for the opportunistic investor who are seeking to. Uh, completely, you know, redo, uh, the property and, and try to, you know, make massive gains with, through equity and value growth. All right. Class C. So, uh, class C is something I don't recommend a new investor go into because of, um, because of the work required. All right. Too risky. All right. Let's move on to, um, uh, the next thing I want to talk about, which is actually number five. And that's the, um, uh, office building terms you need to know. There's actually 10 of them. All right. So when, in, when evaluating any office building, any office buildings, here are the 10 terms that you absolutely need to know. All right. I'll go over them real quick. All right. Number one is gross area. All right. This is the physical area of all the floor space in the entire building. Number two, the rentable area. This area is generally calculated as a gross leasable area. This is the area in which the rent is charged. Okay. The next term is price per square foot. All right. This is the amount of rent charged to tenant per square foot. Next is gross rents. Okay. Gross rent is calculated as uh, per dollar square foot times the total rentable area. All right. Um, next is the lease type. All right. So we have three leases that I'm going to discuss later. All right. We have the gross lease. We have the modified gross lease. And we have a triple net lease. All right. Remember, leases are the lifeblood of office building investments. And I'm going to discuss that in the next section. All right. Next is reimbursements. All right. These are terms you need to know. Reimbursements. Now, depending on the type of lease you have, a tenant can be responsible for paying back the landlord additional expenses. The next term is um, called CAM or Common Area Maintenance. And if you, if you, uh, looked at the office building, uh, investments lately, you will see a thing called CAM charges. Basically, uh, it requires a tenant to pay its pro rata share of the operating expenses, such as parking lot repairs, exterior, exterior repairs, cleaning, uh, you know, things like that. All right. Next is, um, uh, what we call TI, all right, or tenant improvements. This is an allowance that the owner will provide to the tenant. Okay, to the person moving in for customizing and preparing the tenant space at the time of lease or release. Okay, TI. Next is operating expenses. Very important. Uh, typical operating expenses include repairs, security, snow removal, common area maintenance, uh, real estate taxes, insurance, and management. So depending on the, your lease, certain expenses can be passed on to the tenants. All right, next is cap rate. And you, if you listen to my other podcast, you would hear me talk a lot about the cap rate. Cap rates is used to estimate the investor's potential return on his or her investment. And this is done by dividing the net operating income, the NOI, um, 
Yeah, this is done by dividing the net operating income uh, the property will generate by the total value of the property. All right, that's the cap rate. All right, um, let's move on. All right, as I mentioned before, um, I need to I need to share with you um, what the lifeblood of office buildings are, and that's the leases. So number six is the ABCs of leases. All right, the lifeblood of office buildings. Now, I'm going to share something with you. How important are the leases in an office building investment? Well, a prominent commercial real estate author and advisor who specializes in office starts off in his book stating that the lease agreement is so important that you're actually buying, that what you're actually buying are the leases and the building comes for free. Okay, so that's how important it is. Now, there are numerous types of leases for renting office space, but the three most common are the gross lease, the modified gross lease, and the triple net lease. All right. First, let's talk about the gross lease real quick. Gross leases actually benefit the tenant the most. The tenant ha- only has to pay their rent. Owner pays all of the other expenses, such as utilities, repairs, insurance, and taxes. On the other hand, triple net lease. A triple net lease is the opposite of a gross lease where all the expenses are the responsibility of the tenant. The owner just pays the mortgage, only the mortgage. Again, this is why triple net leases are very popular with investors. It's because of that. And lastly, we have the modified gross lease. So a modified gross lease is between the two. All right, it's between a gross lease and triple net lease. Basically, the tenant and the owner split some of the costs somewhere somewhere down the middle. All right, all right. I want to give you two quick tips on leases. Number one, get a leasing professional to help you not only lease out the space, but to, but to negotiate and write the lease. Do not do it yourself the first time. Leave it to someone who does it for a living. Leave it to a professional. Remember, leases are the lifeblood of your office building. Okay. Number two, everything is negotiable when negotiating a lease or its renewal. Everything. All right. Okay. Let's move on to number seven, which is, um, I want to discuss with you things to watch out for in an office building, possible pitfalls and how to avoid them. All right. So, um, as you know, there are risks with office buildings as with any real estate. The biggest one is simply that the rental rates can go up and down with the economy. That's the biggest risk uh, with office buildings. Now, after the dot-com crash um, years back, for example, uh, many office buildings in the Silicon Valley in California dropped more than um, 30% or more. So their rent dropped 30% or more. All right. Now, a drop of that much means that uh, people probably lost their property. And I have seen office space and even whole buildings down there sit empty for years. Luckily, because technology is very hot now, uh, whoever bought those buildings when they're empty and they held on to them, they are mega millionaires now because all those buildings are filled with Google employees, Facebook employees, things like that. All right. Uh, another risk is to pay particular attention to the tenant with the largest square footage, right? And the reason why is... What if they don't renew or they go out of business? Not only do you want to keep a hefty reserve, but you need to find a way out in advance um, that if they're going to renew or not. Okay, that makes sense, right? All right, um, the next thing I want to watch out for is pay attention to the expiring leases. So, for example, if you have 
uh, four or five office building tenants, make sure that their leases are staggered, you know, for when they end, not all expiring in the same month and same year. All right. All right. Here's the last tip. Just because you can buy an office building for a super duper price does not mean it necessarily is a, a super duper deal. All right. The building could be fast approaching being obsolete. All right. So it could be such an old building that no one wants it. All right. Okay. So that's the risk you take there. All right. Let's move on again to number eight. Um, I'm going to discuss with you, which is possibly the most important thing to consider when choosing a tenant. And you want to know what that is? That is credit worthiness. All right. Now I'm not talking FICO score here. I'm talking about financial strength. From the investor's point of view, a property's price should should reflect the tenant's ability to meet the terms of the lease. So the stronger the tenant's financial strength is, the less risky the investment is considered. And conversely, the weaker the tenant, the more risky the investment is. Okay, got it? Another way of putting this is the stronger the tenant, the lower the cap rate. And conversely, the weaker the tenant, the higher the cap rate. All right, let me give you an example. Let's say you have a Starbucks as a tenant in one building. <clears throat> and in your other building, which is the same size, you have a small grocery store. And they're on the same street. They're, they can be next door, to, next door to each other. All right, so one building, you have a Starbucks. Other building, you have a small grocery store. All right, and basically, both stores pay the same rents. Okay, so let's make those assumptions. Now, if you put both of them on the market to sell, which one would have a higher price? Yes, you guessed right. It's the Starbucks. Because of Starbucks financial strength and their ability to pay their rent long term, investors would flock to you wanting to buy it. All right. In fact, uh, if your tenant is Starbucks and they decide to close that store, they will write you a check for the remaining years on, on the lease. Okay. So you get one big fat check and they will go bye bye. But if the grocery store closes the doors, you will be out of luck. Empty store, no rent. You know, uh, good luck to you. All right. So there's a big difference there. So credit worthiness is really important. Um, here's a, uh, a couple of websites you can go to to check out private and um, public companies. Um, you can go to Dun & Bradstreet. I'm sure you heard of that before, dmb.com. Another way is, um, is to go to the Standard & Poor's rating service. All right. So you can Google that. It's called standardandpoors.com. And it, it, it gets a credit rating of public companies. Okay, let's move on from that. Let's go to number nine, which is the last topic. What's the future of office buildings? All right. The reason why I bring that up is I'm sure you've seen that music stores are disappearing. Video stores are basically gone. And bookstores, one of my favorite places to hang out, are disappearing too. I'm sure you've seen that. So with that said, as an office building investor, um, I think you should um, uncover what the future office building holds, right? Just being a responsible investor. There's certainly going to be changes, and we see them already. Now, um, the question is, are office buildings going to become obsolete just like bookstores? That's the question. The answer is no, but changes are going to take place, right? Well, here are the top three changes or trends I see today. Um, okay, number one is workplace density. Now, there has been a steady reduction in space devoted to private office in nearly every industry. The average amount of space uh, leased per employee has been shrinking year after year. 
2012, the average was 185 square feet for employee per worker. And um, uh, two years ago, it was 250 square feet per worker. Um, so, so offices are getting more, more dense. All right. More people for in the same amount of space. And basically corner offices, corner offices are becoming less and less. All right. The second trend I see is the untethering of office workers. On any given business day, 30 to 40%, all right, of physical workspaces are vacant. Think about it. And what's the cause? The causes are mobile technologies. Uh, so these devices enable workers to uh, work anywhere um, at any time. So they have their smartphones, their iPads, their tablets, uh, laptops, and they can walk around and work. So this allows the company to enjoy substantial cost savings and greater space utilization. All right, here's the third trend. Telecommunicating, I'm sorry, telecommuting is out and collaboration is in. All right, you've probably seen in news recently that uh, companies like Yahoo all right, announced a drastic cutback in allowing employees to telecommute. Uh, they not only want them in the office, but in an open space environment where more collaboration and more direct communication can take place. Um, they want to really establish a, um, a, a small company atmosphere. All right. All right. So I want you to pay attention to these three trends um, because uh, those, you know, they too will evolve. All right. Um, you can get more, um, you can get access to uh, more resources like this on our website, Commercial Property Advisors, as well as uh, subscribing to this podcast. So thank you so much for listening to this video on Office Building Investing for Beginners. I'll see you at the next podcast.